You're listening to the On The Rise podcast, the podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs as we make our way to the top. Here is your host, known as the property shark, Mr. John Lee. Hey, what's up, everyone? It's John Lee here, also known as The Property Shark. And welcome back to another episode of the On The Rise podcast. Today, joining us, we have Tamer. Tamer, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, Tamer, you, you, you actually have such an incredible story. But before we dive into it, um, I would actually love you to kind of give our guest a, a brief introduction of, about yourself, um, you do have quite of a, you're starting to, to post more and be more active on social media, but you, you are quite humble. So, um, I'm sure a lot of our, our viewers, uh, will probably be following you, um, and your journey as well after. Um, but, uh, for people that don't know about you, um, yeah, introduce yourself. Um, sure. So. I guess my roots goes all the way back to Kazakhstan. That's where I was born and raised. Kazakhstan is one of the post-Soviet Union countries. So it's very much like a Russianized background, which is pretty much my background, even though I look like Asian. I guess my, my grandparents are Koreans, right? And my, so my, as my parents, but uh, on the inside, I guess I'm pretty much Russian washed. Yeah, so again, was born and raised there. Um, spent most of my life, I guess at this point, yeah, up to 18 there. Uh, went to high school and everything. Then came to Canada in 2012. Uh, I came to pursue my bachelor degree in business administration. So I came to one of the West uh, School of West Coast here at Summit Fraser. So I went to SFU. Um, yes, I pursued, uh, I guess, BA and then I concentrated in finance. Um, I guess as I went through kind of an idea of becoming an investment banker, that was really my, my, my dream. So that was, I was kind of working for, uh, but then kind of life happened and then we can, you know, get into the de- details, I guess, later on. And then I graduated in 2017. So it's been, it's been three years pretty much me after being school, uh, from school. And then I worked for a year in the industry. I work in one of the local sort of a key firm, but it was more of a family office, like an investment boutique that was just buying businesses. I was working there as an analyst, just work on the deal team, you know, just source deals, you know, work with bankers and brokers, just analyzing deals, building financial models, spend that a year. And then um, again, life happened. And then I had a kind of natural opportunity presented to get more into FBA side of things. Uh, and then, yeah, that's where I kind of just took my chances and took my shots. And I started my um, first store in 2018, February. That's where I registered my first company ever. Uh, I incorporated here in DC. And then, um, so since basically then, my life has been all around FBA slash e-commerce. So that was my very first brand. That brand I did in 2019, um, I did around like 1.5 million in top line. And this year, I think I'm on the track to make around six, six million. So I think yeah, I'm looking around like three, four times growth this year. And then on the way, um, I guess, as you mentioned, I started getting a little bit more, um, how you say, public, if you wish, right? To start posting more about it, right? A few other folks, you know, invited me to just kind of come and speak. And through that, I guess, kind of my exposure just grew. And 
few people reached out to me with different projects. So on the way, yeah, I started a few other different brands uh, on the side. Uh, I advise some of the businesses where I don't really operate the company myself, but rather I just kind of act as a, as, a, as a consultant, more, more or less. And then as well as, yeah, I also got my hands into some of the Shopify things like D2C kind of brands uh, on the site as well. So yeah, that's, that's kind of me, I guess. Uh, <laughs> today. It's a lot of e-commerce, a lot of private label, a lot of branding. I'm in a, and some of the Right on. So, uh, Tamer, how many brands do you currently manage or are involved in right now? So, yeah, either I guess I run or indirectly kind of involved in, I would say, something around eight or nine. Eight or nine brands? Yeah, eight or nine. Yeah, out of which, like, two I run, like, myself. Like, two are, like, you know, I am a primarily basically an, an operator where I have a team and I guess I'm responsible for for the business. Whereas all the others, I either just launch uh, products for these brands or I just uh, act as advisory where I will just come in, it's like weekly meeting more or less, and we just kind of will go through the week, right? Updates what's happening and what needs to be done, how we launch, what strategy we should change, like, you know, where we should hire that thing. But yeah, so two is very hands-on and like six or seven brands like are pretty hands-off, but um, my involvement is there, yeah. That's really, really cool. Um, so Tamir, I know you, you gave the long winded answer of who you are. Um, and I kind of want to go back to when you first came to Canada, um, because I'm sure like coming from Kazakhstan, um, it was not only a big culture shock for you, but um, you were essentially having to get familiar with a different environment, um, learn a different language, um, meet different people. Um, how was that initial experience for you? Um, and yeah, what was it like going through that? Yeah, great question. Uh, for sure. Apart from just cultural shock, I would say that would probably shock 360 all around because basically going back kind of, um, I'm coming from like pretty moderate kind of beginnings. I would say the humble beginnings where I didn't really travel the world much basically before I was 18. So it was very much, I just grew up, lived in my bubble, right? In my, just, in my neighborhood, I went to like, not the most fortunate neighborhoods of high schools, right, and stuff. So that's why I didn't even know what's there. You know, for me, the whole America thing, it was just in TV, right? We used to, I used to watch this on this MTV, right? Just video music, right, of 50 Cent and like Eminem, stuff like that. So that was pretty much just America for me and English. So <laughs> I never knew, I never even imagined, you know, that like life would kind of happen this way. But that's why for sure, me coming here in Sunstall was very, very interesting experience. It was so funny because, I mean, there are so many examples I can just pinpoint for you. But I think I mentioned to you the last time we met is that when it took me a while to even understand what was, what was the whole deal around like plagiarism and just like copying and cheating on exams. I couldn't grasp the like concept because I mean, back home, like, you know, it's like, it doesn't exist. It's normal, like where you can just copy off the homework of your buddy, right? Or when like teachers pretty much know that you copied somebody else's work during the exam. That's why like seriously, when I came, like, I couldn't understand like what this means, like what this whole deal is about to get kicked out of school for plagiarism that you can't just download the essay right from school. It's just, I mean, one of the radical examples, but apart from that, of course, like just overall, you know, the culture, how the people are, right? The old the social clues, you know what I mean? I mean, another example would be like, 
I don't know everybody is so smiley here, you know what I mean? Everybody's open, right? Nice and stuff. And whereas back home, you know, like um, kind of smiling on people, you know, on streets, right? And just looking at each other nice, it's not that common. It's kind of even perceived as a little bit like, you know, weird or like you kind of want something from me type thing. So it would be just another example, you know, when I would come in here and just everybody's looking at you, everybody's smiling. And I'm like, I have an older brother here, actually. And I would ask him, yo, why the fuck? Like, you know, everybody's looking at me here. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, what, what, what do they want? But anyways, it was definitely quite an experience. And again, definitely yeah, the language barrier was pretty big because, well, I, of course I studied it because, you know, you have to take exams to pass, right, to come and to get an, admit, like a, get an admission for school. I never really had much practice, like speaking or listening. And, you know, with languages, it's really like very crucial, right, to have that like hands-on practice which I didn't really have much. So like, I would say yeah, that was a huge struggle. I would pre pretty much say like when I came in, I probably couldn't mm, comprehend at least half of what everybody was saying. Uh, and same goes for lectures, right? That's why like I would say first year of a school was like just pure grind for me because it was like, I mean, every area was super tough. Like, you know, even like to read one chapter, right? It would take you know, like five to six hours because I just couldn't understand. I had to use vocabulary, right? And then all the lectures I would go to, they would be pretty useless to me because I would like miss the half of it. That's why like definitely, the moment I basically kind of got, got in here, my, like, I'd say my work kind of started for sure because I just understood, you know, what's a mistake. And you now me coming here wasn't that easy for my parents. Uh, I, as I mentioned, I have older brother here. And for them to kind of pull off, you know, like, uh, I guess, um, uh, North American education, right? Like they had to pull off like, you know, all the savings, right? Like take loans in the bank, borrow, borrow from relatives. So it wasn't that like, you know, they just like kind of slapped me off like, yo, you just go, right? Like, just try it out. So I, I knew what it took them, right? Lots of sacrifice, a lot of work. And when I just got in kind of here, I just knew like, you know, um, like I, I, it's not like, you know, they had uh, much expectations from me in terms of, dude, you gotta go, you gotta make it, right? Or just like, kind of don't come back, <laughs> kind of disgrace. It wasn't like that actually, but it was more of a coming just for myself knowing that like what's at the stake yeah I just kind of decided for myself that you know like at least i'll do you know good at school and you know i'll try to get a job that was actually pretty much my whole like it was, i would say even dream right just to come here do well through school i was so worried about maybe not pulling it through because you know it's such a different educational system mm -hmm. and just you know for me just to make it to you know to to get a job right maybe you know um, then get a permanent residency all that kind of stuff right and that so that like you know the the whole effort and everything like you know, my parents have done wouldn't be in vain type thing. So that was pretty much just my mentality. I would say like the moment I like landed here, I just went to this dog mentality where like, I didn't give a fuck about anything like for real, like not about like checking out the city. I told you that last time we met, you know, cause our school is on, on a mountain. So our campus is on a on mountain where we have to take a bus right from downhill up to the mountain. It's a right. special place. Yes. And then like, um, and then what was it? Uh, and that's it. Like that's where campus, that's where I lived for like freaking five years. I ate in the same place, you know, school has dining hall for five years. It was like same meals all around, but I couldn't care less. That's why like I was on the mountain and you know, when like dorm and the students, right? Everybody's 18, like 19, whatever, right? Super fun, got out of family now. Can <laughs> do alcohol, like drugs, party, whatever you want, right? <laughs> but like that's where like really, I just couldn't care less about none of that. I just came in and I got into that dog mentality where I just would like, get down and just study and work and like as I told you yeah, first year I, I think if I went once out of the mountain like down in the town in like low heat the Burnaby area that would be it I didn't even know what downtown was like I didn't even understand the map so I, I, I didn't care you know I was placed in the mountain that was my dorm that was my bedroom library classes and dining hall and then yeah of course and, and gym yeah I, I was worked out so that was pretty much my five places I would rotate and anything outside of that like just didn't bother me 
Yeah, that's amazing. I was actually just about to bring that up uh, to Mer about how in your first year, when especially when you travel abroad to a new city, you always want to go out, explore, especially meet people at dorm from different countries, go party, go check out Vancouver, Gastown, Stanley Park. But um, you said you had the dog mentality and that really kept you grounded and you were really focused when you landed. You had a chip on your shoulder. Um, can you elaborate more on the dog mentality? And, you know, if you had to explain it to someone, you know, how, cause you know, nowadays I feel like hustle and grind, like a lot of these terms are just kind of thrown around, but like, what does it really mean? Hmm. I see. Let me think about that. <laughs> I guess what I say dog mentality is, what I, what, what I imply by that is it's like a, you set, a, set up a goal, like, you know, one very concrete goal for yourself, right? And then, and you basically just approach it and you pursue it and you just get it done, like no matter what, like mm-hmm. no matter what, no matter how you feel, right? No matter what are the circumstances, no matter what mm, environment you're in, what kind of influences you have outside of you, right? It's basically no matter of, of anything, you just get it done. And to me, that's what we kind of define as a just dog mentality where that goal or that thing that you want is, that's a priority for you. And, you know, people call it in a sense sacrifice, you know, but I, I mean, I, I call it somewhere too, but the more I think about it, it's not even sacrifice per se, because when you truly just prioritize that thing, one thing and let's say back then for me was just, to freaking do well, right? On exam, you know, to pass, right? Not to fail anything because failing means like retaking the course, right? And it's just shit tons of money for, you know, for, for me and my parents and I just could not afford that. And you see that I made that such a, um, let me, sorry, let me quit, quit my Slack. And so it doesn't make this noise. Just sorry about that, uh, it should be good. So I just made that such a huge priority in my life where nothing else was, I didn't even consider. Cause you know, at one hand, like, you know, it looks like, oh yes, you know, I didn't go out, I didn't party, right? I didn't do this and that. In a sense, that's sacrifice, but man, like from hindsight, right? But me being back then in the moment, that's when you are in the zone. I couldn't care less. Cause you know what I mean? That's when like you truly just like get in such zone. And when you truly just set up your priorities really well, it's all about, that's why they say, right? Nobody's like busy or not busy. It's about priorities, right? Not having time or having time. Mm-hmm. When you truly decide on that one thing and that's what you want. And especially why you want that. And when is that super strong, man, that's when like, you will not be worried about distractions. Cause you know, I think like many people and you know, today struggle with, you know, I'm getting distracted, right? By this and that, by friends, by my phone, right? By whatever is going on. I think it's not the problem about distractions. It's just, you didn't make your mind on your priorities or your priorities or your distractions basically became priorities type mm. thing. You know what I mean? When you don't have priorities, your distractions will become priorities. But that's when you see to me, yes, I just set up my mind and I just decided that I have to like, it's, it was like almost, I guess that also what goes in nicely into documentality is, is a kind of zero options mentality as well. Like there's like, there's no other options. Like I have to do this. And once I got into that, that just mindset when like, I have to like do well, like I have to pass and I have to do well and I have to get a job. And then, you know, I have to become financially dependent from my parents like ASAP. It was to me zero options. And that's why nothing that kind of came my way, right? In, in, in a sense of like my peer pressure, right? In terms of, hey, let's go out, right? And I had to say like 10 times, 
no in a row and after which people basically stop inviting you right or somebody becomes like super salty on you right or pissed right or they just you know the people start like because you know when you are kind of being different you are being like picked on not even directly but even indirectly right oh like yeah it's like Timo just like don't invite him it's just you know the, the guys in fucking library right type thing like none of this really matter to me like whether you know going like meeting new friends right I don't know going like you know like I don't know getting girls you know stuff stuff it didn't really matter to me because I just wasn't this zero options mentality, man. And yeah, I think that's kind of how it worked for me. That's really interesting because I, I think, you know, I'm even going back a couple of years uh, for myself, like getting into university um, and being in dorm because uh, I went away to Alberta to study. Um, mm. I got distracted. So I think for you being at 18 and, and having that mentality and discipline, um, I think you, you bring uh, you brought up discipline as being one of the most important things to master for someone um, if you want to be successful and just prioritizing what's important. Um, so I want to kind of talk about how you prioritized doing well in school because again, you didn't want to fail because that would be more money um, to, you wanted to get a job here, be financially dependent from your parents. How did your priorities change when you graduated, you know, did you go find a job? Like how, what was that process like? You were obviously doing really well in school, really involved in extracurriculars. Um, and you probably were expecting to, to land a big job. Um, but did things go according to plan? Right. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's funny cause we kind of spoke right briefly to you about that and not at all, actually things did not go according to my plan at all, even though, it, you know, most of the time, it looked like I was on the right track most of the time. And what I mean by that, you know, how I mentioned that, you know, I always what wanted to land this, you know, like a job in investment banking, right? Because, you know, it's pretty much the most prestigious place if you do finance, right? That's where you pretty much, you know, right of the school, you can enter the job and you can start making like six figures, basically, or right of the bat as an analyst. And, you know, it's a super like a type A type, of, you know, environment, right? Where you put in like, you know, 80, 100,000 a week. And that's where the grind mindset is, right? And, and, I, and I loved it, you know, me being a super ambitious dude, right? Just not, you know, I can't help it. I'm just wired this way where I want, I love competitive environment. I, you know, I want to come in and I want to be the best, you know, among the best. And that's what I strive for and, 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 and I loved it. And anyways, so that's where I kind of figured out probably around my second-ish year or something. That's, that's what I want. And that's where I pretty much started figuring out, okay, what's the blueprint, right? So how do I get one? How do I get into it? What it takes? And, you know, of course, super high grades, right? You know, for like pretty much all A grades, right? GPA is like 3.7 type stuff, right? And then, you know, a bunch of, you know, experience. And of course, you have to know your technicals, like in terms of, you know, like a, that's when I download all this like courses from like Wall Street Prep, like Wall Street Oasis. It's like, you know, all, it's because there's so many like, because industry is so standardized. There's like many courses, like how to get into investment banking. There are certain questions, certain technicalities, right? In terms of, you know, like a, your Excel, your finances and everything. And that's where I would like pretty much start prepping like crazy for it. You know, like all my free time, I would, you know, spend like learning and studying about it, preparing my questions, my canned answers, right? I would like practice this with my brother, with my friends, you know, asking questions, do all that kind of stuff, right? And then also one of the biggest things that I managed to get into, so my school um, have actually a school endowment where school allocated like five at this, maybe at this point even more, like $6 million of the school money. And then it's the school endowment. And then the school recruits basically 20-ish students from finance department. And then they actually receive the fund. So they get to invest like into Canadian stock and bonds. 
So like you actually get super hands-on experience. Of course, you have a board and you have advisors, but then you know you get to like a pitch basically stocks and you select them to financial analysis, everything like business analysis, and then you have a chance to like buy stuff and then you track your performance. So it's an actual super like lucrative spot, kind of it's pretty hard to get in, but you know I managed to sneak into even sneak there, and that's where pretty much you know that's the best of the faculty guys are there. You know, everybody wants to be in equity research, you know, investment banking, right, on buy side. And that's where, you know, you rub off with more of this mentality. So I would be there. And then anyway, so on the third year and the fourth year, the way it works, you have to land, you know, an internship in summer. And once you do that, if you do well, they basically extend you a full-time offer right upon graduation. So that's why you have your summer recruits on the third and fourth year. And so I would, I would basically start going through them with everybody else in the fund. And funny enough, I would be getting interviews, but dude, like I would pro progress to the first round, second round, like final round, and I couldn't land like internship. And just like, no matter I did, like I could not just fucking get one. I mean, specifically investment banking. Apart from it, I did feel like, you know, like internships in just in finance, like, you know, in accounting and corporate finance, I did like three of them. And even then, by the way, it's funny on the, on the side note, you know, there's this co-op program, right? I think it's a cooperative something program when you work and then you get your internship. Yeah. Uh, before I got my first one, dude, you wouldn't believe it took me 100 applications to apply. So I submitted 100 applications. I went to like, without exaggerations, around maybe 25 to like 30 interviews before I could get my like one first one was like just accounting or just like, you know, like sorting papers or something. I couldn't learn one. Dude, I was so like choked because like, you know, I had some extracurriculars, my grades was good. I couldn't understand why. Like it took me hundred applications. I clearly remember it was on my record in my like student account. I applied for hundred jobs before I landed my first freaking like internship. But anyways, yeah, I mean, I mean, it took a lot of, you know, disappointments, just discipline and perseverance to put that along. Just keep applying, keep going to this freaking interviews, right? Keep like rehearsing this question and just keep getting rejected. It's like, no, no. And you know, at that point you would start questioning and doubting, hey, what's wrong with me, right? Is that, you know, because of this and that, like, and I just couldn't figure it out. But one thing you see, I think it's a very, maybe like kind of valuable lesson to anybody who's listening or whoever's going through something right now is just, that's the thing sometimes, like, you just don't know. You know what I mean? Of course, you know, you want to be smart about your approach. You analyze, of course, you know what I answered wrong, right? Maybe I've, you know, I've bombed this part, right? Maybe, I don't know, maybe I, I did something wrong. You analyze it. But then, you know, there is still, you run into the wall sometimes, especially after you freaking went to 30 interviews, right? Like, there's only this much you can improve, improve upon. Uh, you know, the rest is you. And that's when, you know, like, I think it's just very important to remember that, like, just you keep, like, keep pounding. Like, keep pounding on, on that door. Like, no matter what it is, it's a hundred right no's, it's a 200 no's, but just stay at it because your yes will come. Like, your yes will come. And I think another mentality that really helps you is every no puts you closer to the next yes. Mm. I think if in that mentality versus just like, oh, I get rejected again and again and again, this is, again, this is more of a, like a, a scarcity mindset, right? But if you're into like, hey, every no puts me to closer, yes. And then, right, because if I told you, hey, John, right, for example, for your, I don't know, business idea or your dream job, right, you have 10 more no's to go through before you get your yes. You will be so thrilled and excited, right, to run and to keep get punched in the face, right, and keep say, get saying no, right? But you see, it's just because, of course, nobody knows how long, how many no's is going to take. There's this big ambiguity and uncertainty. That's why it's so hard. But if you can really just trick your mind and truly persuade yourself, fuck, I'm getting closer. I'm getting closer, right? Maybe next one. Maybe next one can be the life-changing, right? Like step interview, like business idea, right? Whatever, product launch. And you just stay at it. But anyways, as yeah, I got sidetracked. But so that was my story. And then for investment banking, coming back, yeah, I, could have, I kept applying. I kept doing everything. And again, I couldn't land. 
I just, I did not land one. And it was again, by the way, such a, I was, yeah, I had such a big chip on my shoulder because again, everybody around me would be, you know, landing, landing one, right? In that endowment fund, right? All the best students, right? Guys like with four GP, four, four no GP and higher, you know, they would land a job. And you know, when you are in your soul, small circle, right? 20 people, right? Everybody discusses, yo, dude, like, you know, how did that go, right? Did you get a job and not, right? And freaking everybody would be getting yes. And like, I would be literally that, like, that, like, dog, that underdog, basically, right? <laughs> that would be like, fuck no, right? And it was so tough, you know what I mean? It's like, it was so, in a sense, like, embarrassing, right? Like, what the fuck again, right? Am I the worst, right? Am I dumb, right? Or like, what's wrong with me? So you see how it started with first 100 applications for regular internship. And then I went here, I already, by this time, when I was going to ID recruits, I would have already three internships. Now I had three internships, I would be in this, like, student fund, my grades were amazing. And I had everything, you know what I mean? I had everything on paper, yet I couldn't get it. Mm-hmm. And anyways, that was just by far probably the biggest, I would say, punch in my face, probably in general, because I kind of used to, you know, if I said something, any goal, right, I get it. You know, even like how I came to Canada, right? It was so tough for me, right? But like, here I am, I'm doing well, right? You know, I'm doing, I'm, you know, doing well, right? My grades are well, like, all good. I get what I want. And here, almost, it's probably, I would say probably the first time in my life where I put so much effort, I would dedicate it all of myself, right? To get this one thing. And I couldn't get it. And I basically, yeah, all the recruits basically passed through. And I basically, yeah, I didn't get it. So it was a huge, just kind of reality, not reality check, but it was just very humbling. You know, mm-hmm. which is very common that like, after all, maybe dude, like, you know, maybe you're not, you're not that good as you think you are, right? But anyways, uh, but what's funny is actually just, I guess another lesson before we go further is sometimes when this stuff happens, right, in the moment, it's super just devastating. You know, you are super devastated, right? You know, you basically kind of failed, right? You failed for yourself, right? You really wanted it. And especially, I really want to emphasize when you work truly hard for because you know many mm-hmm. people have both, right? But let's be honest, sometimes you don't put nearly enough efforts, right? Or time or your heart into it. So that's why when you don't get it, you know by the end of the day, you know what? Like, fuck it, right? You know, your heart wasn't there. You didn't mm-hmm. put enough efforts. You didn't put enough, like, you know, just time into it. But when you did really went out above and beyond yourself, right? You put your fucking heart into it and it did not work. That is very hard in the moment. And it, it really, sometimes it smashes people so hard, right? That's why people don't want to do anything else, right? I mean, we know so many stories when person, especially with business, right? Journeys, people tried so hard, they failed. And then it's like, hey, it's not for me, right? Like, you know what? It's fine. But what I mean is just looking from hindsight, actually, that's why they always say there's a saying, right? That sometimes not to get something, it's a blessing. Like, mm-hmm. And not to get something that you really, really, really want. It's a blessing. And honestly, like, you know, looking from hindsight, it truly is. Because shall that would happen the way I want it, I would never be here where I am today. Which is, I mean, just for my eyes, you know, in my opinion for myself, I'm in 10 times, if not 100 times better positioning. And I don't mean just financially wise, but just as overall, me as a human being, you know what I mean? What kind of mindset I am in and where I'm going, what's my vision, what my value is, right? And what just overall, my, just overall my take on my life is I'm just in a million times better position. And that's why I think just why I'm saying this is, guys, like if somebody is, you're trying some, some, something right now so hard, pursue that degree, get that dream job, right? all that business and it's just not working out like no matter what you do i think that's where truly i think i'm a big believer you know like of uh, just of god and higher power and grace i feel like that's where it truly is you know just leave that place for grace that there's something better for you something better awaiting for you you just don't know when but that's where you have to put the trust into the process right or into that grace and that's what truly happened to me i lived it right that's why i kind of kind of can say it 
But anyway, so what happened to me then? Last year of my school, yeah, so I didn't land a job, right? I, I couldn't get it. And yeah, I was super disappointed. I got so dismotivated. I, I didn't really know what to do, actually. I had no plans. I, I thought, okay, then didn't work, but all right, just gonna graduate. But I knew one thing I was always, always knew I would get some job, you know what I mean? Just because again, my, just overall my, my, like my school time was good, you know, again. And then it's funny enough. So right before my last semester, before I graduate, I see this job post actually that like um, for a local, that family office actually, uh, that's where I mentioned in the beginning, I work for a year in a local family office, like investment boutique. And I just saw the job post for that actually, that they were looking for finance students just to come in and just to do the deal analysis to purchase businesses. And that's where I went for an interview. And that's, I would say actually, that's where my life started taking like 180 type thingy. Because uh, I guess it was very funny because uh, the, the, the whole actually, the whole company, it was a startup. Like it wasn't long established company and whatnot. It was super new, like one year old established fund. And there will be only like two dudes, right? There will be like chairman, the founder, right, of the fund, and his VP. So there were only two guys, like not even doing anything. They weren't even sure what to do. They were all like pretty young. Mm-hmm. And then that's where we came in, and that's where we started talking. What was their vision, right, and what they wanted? And we just connected on such a great level, just as people. And again, fast forward, where we are right now, like just great friends first and foremost. And right now, we just have so much business together. And, and I'm still actually involved in that same fund. That's actually, I help, I launch products for their, because fund over the time, they, it acquired a few Amazon brands. Wow. And so you see, I'm still involved with them. And then we started like my brands, right? So they co-invested. That's actually where I raised money, but I guess I can speak about this right now, is and why I say this was such a turning point for me, not just because of the job per se, but it was funny because um, many people actually who kind of know me from back from school or even earlier, uh, and now, um, you know how I am right now? Actually, I wasn't like this really in school. Even though in, in school, I was uh, like in that just super focused like dog mentality. And my discipline was always good just because of the way I was. And it's mainly because of the competitive sports I used to do since I was 12. And that really just sharpened my discipline. But you know, in, in terms of just like mindset, you know what I mean? And just like everything we discussed with you, I wasn't like that at all. If anything, actually, I wasn't reading. I wasn't reading or listening to the podcast. I was just studying, you know, successful people in school. Not at all. I was just like doing my thing. But what really just flipped that flipped to me is that like basically that interview and that meeting and mainly of the person who like who is the chairman of the fund because like I mean I'll be honest he was the first like a self-made right if you know that's a word like uh, I guess like wealthy individual okay like who really you know made the money himself right and to me you know as I mentioned to you it's like I, I never met one you know for me it was again all like some real different life it was all on tv i didn't know that i couldn't even comprehend it right that's why it's truly in my head seriously coming to school going through the whole school dude i never even like really was thinking about entrepreneurship at all you know some people are like purebred entrepreneurs born like into it right always wanted it not gonna lie it's not me like that's why i would say you know hopefully there are people out there who are in the same kind of you know route and then they feel encouraged that you don't have to be like born entrepreneur right in order to be one I truly believe, you know, you can become one as long as you really want it and you, you're going to polish your skills. And then, because, yeah, my, my parents are super corporate people. You know, they just have jobs, right? They've been working for organizations like their whole, their whole life. And, you know, hence, I was in the same mentality. I would go get a degree, get a job, right? And I'll do just all right. But that's why yeah, it just never occurred to me, right? To go out there, study success, you know what I'm saying? To study all the things, right? The right mindset, all of the, you know, like tactics and just right thoughts, everything. But anyways, that meeting, just that, interaction for me was, I don't know, pretty just mind blowing that like, 
I never even thought about, I guess on my subconscious level or somewhere back of my head, I always thought that like, those are kind of different kinds of people. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They are like either geniuses, right? Or like super talented naturally or something. I don't know. They're just like whatever mini gods. You know what I mean? That's why I never <laughs> thought of that. And that's why like I never considered myself that I can be one, right? I can have that or I can achieve that. But that just like kind of really made me realize that, hey, like, I mean, he was just normal person. You know what I'm saying? He was just the same dude, just like me. And it was just so funny. I know maybe it just sounds so ridiculous, right? On one hand. But again, just me coming on from really just like, you know, that kind of background never occurring to me was huge for me. And then seriously, that's when it's just like, you know how they say like, you know, your, what they say, like your network is your network, stuff like that. Mm. And it's true, right? Because, you know, I started working with him, right? And, you know, we're spending more time, his conversations, it's lunches, right? And, you know, I just start studying more about him, his life, what he does, or how he achieves success that he achieved. And that's where I slowly would start picking up on books, right? That's where I would slowly start picking up on the, on the podcast, right? On just on self-development, on a true hardcore self-development, right? And just really like polishing yourself. And that's where actually it really all started. Like it was the biggest probably pinpoint for me. And that's exactly why, by the way, you know, like thanks God, right? I didn't end up in investment banking job because it led me to here, which truly opened up my eyes to absolutely different trajectory in my life. And that's where like it started changing man 180 because since then it's been like three years. Seriously, I don't know. I feel like I lived already like a life because every single year there's so much growth just not just business-wise but like personal growth you know what i mean in terms of just my overall the way i feel the way and my happiness level goes up even though nothing much changes you know maybe around me right it's just in your head like in your values and in your quality of your thoughts and what's truly on your heart like every single year it just has been exponentially like absolutely just mind-blowing my self-awareness, you know, my conscious and just overall awakening has been just like, I don't know, just has been like blasting over the roof. And, but, um, but yeah, so that's how exactly, I guess, back to your question, my answers are super long. <laughs> Let me know if yeah, I need to be more concise, but that's when, yeah, things definitely did not go according to my plan. But you know, that's why they say sometimes, right? Uh, we plan and God tells, right? Mm. And I really understand that now. We plan, God tells. That's amazing. So again, you like, I knew when we talked before that, you know, about kind of like missing the job, but I didn't know that this was such a big turning point in terms of working at this job. I'm getting to know the chairman personally, and that's what threw you into the realm of personal development and really working on yourself and polishing your skills. Um, From Prior to that, I, I do want to talk a little bit about ambition. You said growing up, you played a lot of competitive sports and that's where your ambition came from. Um, but in terms of taking punches and being knocked down, um, how were you able to stay positive and keep going in life during, right. during that particular time or, or I guess specifically the, t- the time frame of you getting rejected, rejected interview after interview after interview? Um, when it was easy to give up, um, how did you persist? Right, man, those kind of punches were nothing because, you know, I, after taking punches in the face, literally, because I used to do boxing actually back home. <laughs> so like, so yeah, I was literally getting punched in the face, you know, since 12. Yeah. So that was the very, one of the very, pretty much first sports I got like competitively into. And that's where pretty much it started shaping me. Like where, and honestly, I have to like give you perspective on this. Boxing back home, uh, it's a little bit different than boxing here. 
I mean, just for example, give you a simple example. You know, you go to the boxing section here, right? Yeah. I think I have a buddy like who went there. He said it took at least like a year for you to go there before they will ever allow you nowhere closer to spar where you will sign all the waivers. They'll give you all the protection gears and maybe you can start like sparring with one jab, right? And just start very slowly after a year of practice. Back home to the place I went and it's usually how it is. You go first practice, you put on the gloves, you go fight the guy. And there's no waivers, there's no protection helmets, there's nothing. I mean, I'm not sure how it is right now, but me growing up, that's how the school was. And that's why actually boxing and wrestling back home is very huge sports. Like, you know how we don't, I mean, our, I guess we don't really have a strong team for like a, for games, like a basketball or, like, mm. you know, hockey, stuff like that. Not really. But like those sports, like, you know, like martial arts are very developed and very strong. Like every second guy does something like that. Because overall, I mean, I'm not sure how familiar you are with overall like Russian environment, but that's how the culture, especially among, among men, like especially being like growing up, it's very, I would say like, it's very alpha. That's just the way the country is, you know, it's very alpha. It's very like challenging-ish. And that's why things like bullying, by the way, in school is, I'm not sure again, right now, again, it's me growing up back in like 2008, 10, okay. Decades ago, it was normal, actually, almost normal. Like wow. bullying at kind of school, it was normal to the extent that, of course, looking back right now, I feel like it's totally fucked, actually. Like it's insane how it is. But yeah. back then, because you know, that's your reality, right? That's where you grew up. That's your life. It's normal. Like being like, coming, I mean, you know, if you, that's the whole thing. If you're weak, right, you're going to be get picked on. And that's when you're going to man up. That's when you're going to toughen up. And that's when you're going to stand up for yourself and like fight fucking everybody. And, but that's how pretty much the system works. <laughs> so that's how it was, right? And that's exactly, that's exactly why you understand everybody goes to wrestling or boxing or like jujitsu because you have to be able actually to fight. That's mm -hmm. how, it, that's how it was. Like at least, you know, the neighborhood I went to or the place I grew up at, that's how it was. Everybody fought and it was normal. Like everybody knew the like almost hierarchy, right? Who is stronger, who is weaker. And it's like, it was like that, man. That's why like, seriously, it's like pretty rowdy. Like sometimes I can't believe it, man. Like where I'm right now, I'm sometimes I think I'm like, I could never believe where I would be. You know what, what my life would look like, like, you know, I mean, 10 years back because <laughs> my life was different. <laughs> I'm telling you, my life was different. But anyways, that's when, yeah, I started just going. And then I, I think like, that's where a lot of like, I did like, that and swimming i did pretty seriously boxing and swimming i like i had a team and like i i mean dude I, i'm talking about like i was at 15 i would go at practices like at like 5 6 a.m at winter wow. and then i'll have another practice at 4 p.m so it would be like super hard ash like hard as discipline since that age you know where like it doesn't matter right how i felt i was tired sore there are courses classes homework it doesn't matter right i had a, a coach and, and a team right and it was like super competitive so i had to show up and i had to do it and i think that's where a lot of that starts shaping where like and to be honest actually funny enough another apart from like me not getting investment banking job like with sports i would say i am pretty versatile i'm pretty good i'm pretty athletic but dude swimming is one thing i suck at like even though i did it competitively i i, I practiced my i mean my thing was my style was a freestyle but dude, what's funny is no matter how hard I work, nothing else, dude, I was, I, I sucked at it. Like all of the competitions, dude, I wouldn't even make top five, like out of 10 guys. Like <laughs> it was so funny, man. To be honest, I feel like that was, I would seriously attribute that huge portion to me being able to be okay, kind of getting punched in the face, even though I something I worked so hard for, yet like keep failing. Because I just give you context, like before that, at boxing, I was pretty good. And like also, but I also did track and field. Like all the basically non-water stuff, I was good at. Like my, you know, my mile, my 400 meters was like, I was I, I was smashing everybody, right? My pull-ups, yeah. my hips, right? Like I'm good. Yet here I come, you know, I come to swimming around 16. I was pretty athletic for that age. 
and I suck. Like no matter what, I just couldn't get it. But I think that's a lot of where, you know, it's a lot of it just shaped of that mentality of just like, no matter what, just putting the work and just fucking do. Do your best, give it all and just, you know, and understand, yes, you're not going to win everything. And by the way, you see it also getting perspective that yeah, somewhere, somewhere you're going to be graded, somewhere you're going to suck it. Mm. And also, right, it gave me, it, you know, it taught me to think, hey, just why don't you pick, you know, where you more naturally inclined plus hard work, you can be something. You know what mm. I'm saying? Versus because, dude, to be honest, like, actually, that's another thing is, you know, there is this thing that you can be anything you put your, you, you know, you want. Your mind I don't really too. agree with that. Like, I don't really agree with that. Like, okay, how, how about we define the um, degrees here? If you say that be the best, like, kind of shit, be the MVP, right? Or being like Michael Phelps on swimming? No, that's just bullshit. Like, no. Can it be one, even though I set my mind to? No. Like, I just, you know, I'm not natural built for swimming. Mm. And that's it. Now, that being said, let's say I couldn't swim at all. And can I become a decent swimmer and then being like top 100 chart in the world? Probably yes, right? So that's when like we have to really differentiate between the two. And if you're okay with that second um, scenario, that's cool. If that would truly makes you happy swimming, right? In my case, for example. Whereas in my head, I'd rather know, man. I'd rather identify where I'm naturally inclined to so that when I put all of my hard time and work, I can become the 1%. You know what I'm saying? I can become the world class in that niche whether it's type of sport or it's, you know, it's like, you know, I don't know, it's a music, right? Or it's a business. And what kind of business? What kind of industry, right? Or, or you know what I mean? So that's mm-hmm. when like, that's, I think that's when I started thinking going. And just, I guess for the last few years, I'm always right now so aware of just what I'm good at and what I'm bad at just naturally. And I'm just want to really make sure that I do not try to ponder against something that like, I'm just not naturally built for. Again, my example would be the swimming, right? But now it's more of a business, business context, right? Or wherever next I'm trying to pick my next venture, I just try to be real self-aware that, hey, I'm not trying to kind of do that. that. You know what I'm saying? I'm not sure, mm-hmm. by the way, have you watched the anime One, One Punch Man? One Punch Man. Sounds familiar. Anyway, I mean, Super Short is basically a superhero that doesn't have any power. He like looks so not handsome, not sexy, nothing, but he kills everybody with one punch. Like he just punch everybody and everybody dies. <laughs> it's almost like a satire, right? But anyways, I like to call it like, I, I, I'd like to be aware of one, my, what's, what is one, my, my one punch. Mm. Because again, I see around, you know, I mean, I talk to a few people and I just see a few, quite a few people, right? Like trying to do something so hard there that like, it's not really them. It's me almost being trying to become Michael Phelps in swimming. Mm. And man, like that situation is super tough. Like it's so rough because you know what I mean? Because you're not going to be one. And you see, that's when it takes up awareness and maybe some humility to be able to acknowledge that, right? Because mm-hmm. to me, like seriously, they like, I don't know, the, the ticket to misery for me would be trying to become Michael Phelps, basically. Like it really would be. Right. And I guess I, then, then, of course, it's up to everybody. But I think just having that self-awareness, that's what I mean by that, is, is super crucial just to really know you, right? Know what you are and what you are not. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. I'm still trying to put into perspective when you said you were essentially just sparring without any protective gear at 16 and just walking in and just really like just that's literally you're literally taking punches so yeah literally literally exactly and i think actually what's cool is about that is at one hand you know looking back that environment and everything the way men's are raised like you know you can be man you can show weakness you can cry no vulnerability which is super bad honestly there are upsides to it as well because honestly man overall that dog mentality and that zero options mentality is that what 
helped so much. It's basically to be tough, right? Like, you mm -hmm. know, people trying to be motivated or anything, but no, man, it's just a matter of be tough. You know, people are trying to figure out how to be tough. I'm not sure. Do you know Joko, Joko Willick, the yes. Navy, Navy guy? He, I love that quote by him. He says, hey, we are trying to be tough. Just, just, just be tougher. Basically, how do I become be tougher? Just be tougher. Like, he always says that. Like, you know, mm. they try to think how, he says, just be tougher. Like, just, you know, be tougher on yourself. Like, yes, in the moments, not always, but there are moments you have to be tougher on yourself. Just when you truly can tell yourself, like, just shut the fuck up. You know, you're being a bitch, right? You're being fucking weak and do it, right? Like, wherever that is. And I agree with that. I agree with that. And then sometimes, I, I guess, experience like mine helps a lot. You know, when you grow up in an environment where it's, it's pretty hostile, when you come to the school, right, and guys older than you, right, trying to take your money, you know what I'm saying, trying just to bully you, right, just to kick you, whatever. And to persevere through that and being able to adapt, right, being able not to just, like, cry, right, and especially, you know, back on, like, snitching all this thing is, like, you're dead, right? <laughs> that's how it was. That's why there's no other way. By the way, that's a zero options mentality, dude. Like, you cannot really snitch because if you do, right, like, you know, you like, it's going to be just so much worse. That's why, you see, it's on you. Actually, in a sense, now looking back, it's so funny, like you would never think, but like in a sense, I am grateful for my, my background, man, and where I grew up, because that's what taught me. And that's what taught me to be tough, that there's nobody else to rely on. You gotta mm -hmm. figure it out, right? You gotta take the fight or, you know, you gotta, I don't know, maybe run or gotta hide. Sometimes it depends, right? Like all of the many options, right? But that's why, you know, there's always a saying, right? Who says that? I forgot, but if there's a wall, just figure out, right? You gotta climb over it, dig underneath, go around it or run through it. And every scenario will require a different approach. Mm. But that's what it was. And you're right, even me coming to the boxing, like while being 13, right? There will be guys 15, 16. And yeah, they, you know, they will just smash the shit out of you, right? And you will bleed, right? On the first day, like on the second day. And then to be honest, after that, I remember, I didn't want to go. I'm scared, right? But you see, that's when the choice is. Because in my head, it was, okay, man, if like, am I going to quit, right? I'm going to be just a little bitch and quit because of that. Or I'm going to yeah. show up on day and I'm going to get beat up again. And dude, honestly, it's funny, right? It might sound rowdy, but dude, that's, if anything, I think that's by far one of the most valuable lessons I learned because exactly that's exactly what is helping me to do what I do, you know, for the last whatever, since the time I came here, mm -hmm. is to take those punches, right? And to still show up, to be scared. And by the way, you see, it's okay, like to be scared, to be doubtful, to be not want to be there, yet you still show up. And that's where really, you see, you just be tougher. Like, because you see me going there, it, it, it didn't mean like, I came there fearless, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, I was so confident, right? No, I was scared shitless, right? I didn't want none of that. But yet I still showed up because I just chose to be tougher, like just be tougher. Wow. And that's since ever since I think that development started, man. And that's why maybe actually you're saying, you see, by 18, I was different, man. Like when I came here, I was different in that regard. Because mm. that's when, you know, like I was in a sense kind of more mature probably than, you know, on average. And that's when I just came and I was like, dude, you just got to be tougher. You know, yes, you're away from home, right? Now, you know, it's the first time you've been away from home. You got to do your laundry, you know, I, you know, like all that stuff, right? Take care of yourself, basically. And also, you have to be responsible for your grades, for your schools and everything, and for your finances, right? And I, I, I tried to be so lean. I told you last time we met that, dude, another reason I wouldn't go back um, or go down downhill from the campus is because the bus ticket would be like $2.50. And to me, dude, that sounded ridiculous because, you know, you do conversion into your local currency. And for that money, dude, that's like a two-day budget for yourself, for the, for the food. And that's why, to me, it was crazy. And that's why I was like, yo, no, busing is too expensive, so I cannot do that. So anyways, right, that's when I just came and I was like, okay, man, that's the, you see that, that's the, that's the cards you're being dealt, right? You know, mm. I came in, that's my cards, right? This and that and that. 
and that's it, man. You either take them and you do something with them, you toughen up and you play with them, or you just sit and you complain, right? Or you find excuses, right? You blame everything else, right? You come up with all the reasons why you're not doing it. So to me, it breaks down to the very simple things. In, in most of the cases, you either gonna do it, right, or not, because it's already happening. Like reality is already here, is at hand. Like the question is like, what are you gonna do with it? I love that. I love that, Tamir. Um, and, you know, just to, to fast forward a little bit to starting your first business and getting into Amazon FBA, what was that experience like? And what was the most difficult part when you were starting? And how did you approach it? Because a lot of people nowadays, you know, they, they might want to start something they might have there might be a lot of information online um you know around amazon fba e-commerce or being a digital marketer um but what was your approach to starting um and um how did you do it mm, okay so my approach was it kind of happened like naturally to me organically because as I started working at that um, investment fund, right? Uh, we would be working, we would be checking out different business models. We would check out, you know, local HVACs, manufacturing, moving companies, restaurant companies, like, and we would look, we will go through everything and just nothing would look good for us in terms of the business model and especially the margins by the end of the day, right? You employ like in manufacturing companies or so moving like 50, 70 employees, right? It's insane overheads. And by the end of the day, right? You have like 8% margin. You know, companies make 10 mil top line. By the end of the day, they keep like one mil. And I mean, it's just look for us, not that, um, not that attractive for the w amount of work you're putting in, right? And for the return you make, it's not that good. And that's when we kind of came across of the uh, FBA. Um, and that's when it looked for us amazing. <laughs> you know, no overheads, right? Amazing margins. I mean, anything from 20% and, and up, super automated, right? Once you get it up and running. So we liked it. So we started learning more about the industry, right? And looking into it and like just checking it out. And that's, you see throughout the process, um, I guess I started learning much more about it, right? As I talk more with brokers, right? As I talk more with sellers, right? Who are trying to sell their business. So you see, I kind of got introduced to this like field naturally, right? It kind of happened organically. Uh, but, but by the way, just kind of on a side note, I'm not sure if I mentioned to you last time, actually my first FBA venture, man, was during school. I launched my first brand, my product in my third year and it failed miserably. I think like, I mean, yeah, I told that story actually on my Instagram. It's like I borrowed $10,000 from my brother because I didn't have any money. I bought the course actually back then, super old, without not, 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 not doing. I just followed it, sourced the product from China. My first product was Camelback, you know, for hiking when you just drink from your Camelback. Yeah. Well, we just sourced that. We went through the whole process and it was just whole disaster actually. And like, yeah, of course, like, I mean, pretty much the whole money got lost. So, wow. but that was my first actually... <laughs> adventure with FBA and it's funny how like you know like a few years later and then you see actually so we felt it was like sorry man <laughs> and then yeah we just kind of kept going but of course you see lots of lessons were learned there right and you see just things like learning to take that risk right learning to put that money down the line right learning to just go through the process and again to get punched in the face again and again right so anyways you see nothing is wasted that's why like I never believe anything is wasted because look two three years as a graduate right I'm here in this fund and FBA comes across again on my desk. It's just like beautiful how, how it happened. And then mm -hmm. when it came, I was like, oh, I know what it is, right? I tried it already. <laughs> you 
Yeah, yeah. And then uh, anyway, so that's how it started. And then uh, we started buying the businesses, right? And then we started running them and I started learning more about them. And then actually what's happening, so that's all the way during 2017 and during 2018, that's where we already had a pretty good grasp on the industry. Uh, we just kind of had a talk internally that, hey guys, apart from doing a kind of, you know, PE, uh, like a, like a kind of buying stuff, right? Why we don't do sort of a kind of VC type thing where we would um, fund and just um, just fund and grow some brands in-house. Mm. Like, you know, just like bootstrap basically brands in-house. And that's when actually opportunity kind of came across my desk where like I would kind of have to step in from my deal team. So essentially like quit probably my work and then I would raise funds from the, from the chairman, from the fund, right? And that's when I would, you know, of course give up equity for that. And that's when I would start. So that's kind of how I got, you know, really introduced to, to, to that, to the, to that like kind of turning point of me starting actual like, company. But to me, actually, it wasn't something like I hopped on right away. It's like, oh yeah, cool, great deal, let me do it. Simply because, well, I failed once before already, right? That was a fear, of course, you know, it doesn't go away right now. Mm-hmm. Like your confidence is, is shattered, right? A little bit. So that, and then two is, you got to think about again, um, so here I am, just graduated, right? Worked for this freaking five years, wasted all this money on, 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 on tuition, right? Now, eventually here I am making money, right? So I can, you know, make some money, save it, you know, pay back some loans, right? Pay back to parents. Here I am, right? That's my job, that's my security, right? I don't want anything else. I work only for a year, right? And now this comes to my, my desk, which is like super uncertain, right? And which means again, so I'm, I'm quitting, so I'm giving up my salary. But then I kind of couldn't do that because for me to run it, I needed some funds, right? To just kind of for day to day for my rent and some food and stuff. So I kind of actually told the, told the guy um, that, you know, like, okay, then I'll go get a second job. You know, I'll go maybe like wash some floors, right? Do construction work, maybe go just sell some coffee. So just make some money. And then he kind of said, no, no, like you should focus, you know, like purely on this because it will increase the odds, you know, of you succeeding. But then I was like, dude, but like, you know, I need some cash flow, right? Where I'm going to live off. And, he, and, you know, the, and then he offered me, you know, you can have a personal credit line basically <laughs> with, the, with the company. Wow. So now that's why you see, that's when I was like, oh, okay. Like, you know, I just got down with a bunch of loans, right? You know what I'm saying? Like wasting money and just to get more into more. And that's when I, I didn't want none of that. To, like my first reaction was like, no, actually my super first reaction was like, no, no, I'm okay. Cause you see, I'm scared, right? Like, I don't want this. It's such a high risk. Cause like what, I quit my job, I give up on my payroll, then I also get into more credit, right? And then it's like, if everything fails, like what the, what the hell, right? And I told him no actually right away, but then he said like, okay, it's just like, you don't have to give me the answer right away, you know, just sit on it, think about it, right? And that's when like for a few weeks, like I would be so like just restless and I would like lose my sleep because I would be so worried, right? Because it's one hand I understand, right? The upside is great, right? It could be this and that, but like, I mean, but what are the probabilities, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, by, by statistics, right? How many businesses out of 10, like just go up a business in the first year, like seven, eight or something? I, I don't know, right? <laughs> but then that's when I was like, damn, I don't know. So it was just, it was a big decision for me. It wasn't something like, you know, easy. But by the end of the day, yeah, I made up my mind. And I think you asked me, kind of, kind of asked me that last time what was that that you know because at first my reaction was no mm-hmm. and then you know what made me to kind of still go for it and i kind of told you i think it was just the idea i think when i realized that um if the worst case scenario happens like i will be fine mm. that's that's really what helped me because you see before in my head was like i just pictured like that and it's like me being that like going negative and just like 
almost not even starting from zero, but starting from like negative, right? <laughs> but that's what just scared the shit out of me. But then later I just realized, you know what? Um, I don't know, for some reason I just gained that confidence that like and self-esteem that it's okay. Like if everything goes just to shitters, right? In the worst case possible way, um, I will still go, I'll go get two jobs, right? I'll go do constructions, right? Like make some quick cash, right? I don't go work on this gas, gas stations, right? Like whatever. And <laughs> whatever then, you know, it takes. Whatever it takes, right? You see, like I, I didn't care. And I was like, I'll pay back. And then, you know, I will start again from scratch. Mm. And for some reason, I don't know, once I really mm, just had made the peace kind of with that within myself and come to the, came to the agreement with myself that, you know what, it's fine. Because another thought actually I had is, dude, like when else, if not now, like in terms of just like my overall um, context and my age, right? And just my life stage, like mm -hmm. when else I can be taking this type of risk when I can literally not just losing everything, but like going negative. When else? Like I am just right out of school, right? I was what I was 20, I was at 23. Mm -hmm. I was at 23. I was like, dude, I don't have kids, right? I don't have like, you know, family, right? I don't have like a wife. I don't have anybody to take care of in my family, right? Mm -hmm. Who like is, you know what I mean? Needs some uh, attendance. Like I'm just like this young selfish dude to myself. And seriously, it just occurs to me like, dude, when fucking else, when, when, not, when not now? And that's when I was just like, you just fucking do it. And you know, actually right now, there's so much talks about that, like in terms of like, just like, hey, like go out there, risk stuff, try it, right? Try, try, try stuff and like, and it truly just like right now just hits me so much harder. I understand because it's true. Like when mm. now? And I think for anybody out there right now who is in a more or less same, like, you know, context, like when you don't have responsibilities, dude, when you don't have nothing going on, it's just you. Right. Like, and you have some dreams, right? You want to try things like just it's worth trying. You know what I'm saying? Because you see, there's also like um, this big one is like one of the scariest things. People are afraid of failures, right? And stuff like that. But they should be afraid of regrets later on. Mm. And I think that's true. And when you think about that in the moment, that's like you just try to project yourself in like 20, 30 years, right? And just like kind of sitting and just thinking about what shots you didn't take, right? Or like what you really wanted, like to pursue mm. anything, right? Maybe become a YouTuber, right? acting like actor rapper i don't know <laughs> dancer businessman right like a model i don't know yeah and you did not just try it because you see at least if you try and if you succeed great and if you did not that's fine too because it will never bother you what if because the worst is what if right because mm. later on that's a regret right what if i would take that shit right and my life would be different right or what right. if i attended that like i could i you see did i have what it take right maybe to become that yeah. And I think it's super crucial to remember it. Like, you know, for just like me and you, man, like when we don't have much going on, right? Like we don't have obligations. That's a word, right. obligations or responsibilities. And which also brings me to another point, actually. That's why I think while you're like, I don't want to use the word young, but like, I guess when you're just starting off, when you're starting mm -hmm. off in your niche, right? Whether it's a new business or you start seeing some of the initial successes, that's why keep your fucking overheads low. Because that's actually another, that, because that's going to become your fucking responsibility. Like, let's say, you know, you start having some, like, you know, success, wherever, even in your career ladder, right? Your payroll kicks up, right? And you, you know, you change your car, right? Your lease is up now, your place is up now. You know, you start basically increasing your overheads. Dude, that's literally almost like, you know, there's few responsibilities that you can get on your ass. Like things like usual family, right? Your partner, kids, right? And yeah. you know, like as your parents get older, 
So those are the main ones, right? But this one is another one. And this one is more hidden. People don't realize it. That once you really fucking wrap up your overheads, dude, now you will be in situations when you will not be able to afford this risk anymore. Because look, now for me to lose anything, I don't care, right? Like I rent, I don't give a shit. I can downsize, I can upsize, I don't care. But dude, yeah. once you living that kind of lavish lifestyle, maybe too early, right? When you have that car, when you have that house, right? On the mortgage, I don't know, wherever you have those overheads. Dude, now whenever this deal is going to pass through, which may be for you, right? For your dreams to come through, whatever, you won't be able to take it because you have all of this, um, what's a good word for it? Like a baggage. It's almost mm -hmm. like a, it's like a burden. Now it's Correct. a burden that you're increasing and you're carrying around it. That's why I think oh, this one is being overlooked. It's being talked everywhere, but I feel like this one is tricky. People don't actually understand. By increasing those overheads, you're really now limiting yourself to the type of risks you should have been able to take otherwise. Do you know what I mean? That's so, yeah, no, I, I completely understand. And especially nowadays, I feel like a lot of people are very impatient, especially young, younger people or even people our age. And they, they want to flash the nice cars that like, or go travel, which is all great. But um, again, the unnecessary materialistic objects or experiences that you buy right now could limit your potential to achieve something greater in life, which could lead you to regret, which is kind of, the, exactly. people don't and think I, about that. Yes, no, dude. And I think one of the most common scenario is even before that, if we look usually at the road, I'm not saying that I don't generalize things, right? But it's very common. People start ramping up the overhead. So let's say travel two, three times a year, take those pics, post them, right? Or like, you know, having better car, better place, better everything, right? Is in many cases, is driven by that. Uh, it's almost that, like, uh, what do you call that? Almost like uh, keeping up, right? Keeping up with Joneses, right? That thing. <laughs> you when know, you're keeping up with your, you know, with your buddies from high school or from your cohort, from your uh, uni, right? When, you know, like they're getting better car, you got it too, right? Or your relatives maybe, better, or your fucking cousin or something. Anyways, you're basically trying to do this to validate yourself, to show that you are the shit, right? You are doing well. Or maybe just to get a, to get the acceptance, right? Or to get recognition. Basically, you're trying to impress others, right? That's, that's a very common thing. And what's, What's even more sad about this is because look at it, you have that, you're in that mindset, right? And you need all these things to now feel good about yourself. So you ramp up your overheads. And now let's say it comes, that opportunity comes across a table to go for that something you really dream of, right? Again, maybe to go give up everything to go do that acting, right? Or to, to do that modeling to whatever. And then look, because of that, not even because of you have overheads, but because you actually just were trying to impress others and living somebody else's life. Now you're passing on something you really want mm. passing on in your dream and i think that's what actually makes it so much more sad because to be honest it's not even about materialism things side per se because if you truly just love it you enjoy it and you do it for yourself like cool man that's no problem but it's just if you look in reality most of the cases right and especially you're right people of our age trying to rank and just you know like ramp this up faster in being impatient is because there's that is that race, right? You know, there's that race be between peers and of course, you know, it's just comparing yourself, right? And of course with social media moves, right? Is it puts so much pressure and it just mm -hmm. makes it so much more sad just because of all those external basically influences, right? You might put yourself in a position where you won't be able to actually go after something you actually truly want. And that's what ultimately will make you happy. Wow, that's important. I, I guess, you know, to, to wrap things up here, um, you is is Amazon FBA, you know, too competitive right now? And and do you have any words of advice for people that 
might be considering getting into this field? Um, so, right. Um, yeah, how do I answer this one? I guess in terms of like too competitive, like I think one, first and foremost, it's super competitive. Like it is competitive as shit, right? But when I say too competitive, it kind of implies you should not enter, which I don't agree with. So one, it is super competitive and it's ever getting more and more competitive. But at the same time, Amazon grows every single year, like insane, right? It wins over the market share of the e-commerce, right? All the, you know, like all the sales being done more and more. So the whole platform grows together with the competition. So that's kind of that. But for those who are thinking of entering or not, I think it's great. It is good. But it's just like, there's so much more, like there's so many ways you can do that. You know what I mean? Like what product you're gonna go after, right? What niche you're gonna enter? It's like, you know, it's almost like a separate world on its own. You know, you're going to supplements or you're going to uh, the appliances, right? Or like home office, like whatever furniture. I mean, it's like literally just like a crazy difference between what your journey might look like. You know what I mean? And that's why I think like in general, if people would ask me, shall they? Uh, I think in general, how about we separate, okay? If they shell or not, that that is different, but one, it is a good opportunity. Yes, it is. Like, and I'm assuming the fact that you are entering knowing what you're doing, right? You actually like, is good at it somewhat. You understand what it takes, right? Like what this private label is actually. And then you have what it takes to understand the, 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 the platform and how it works and what drives it. And being able to, for you to identify that, you know, 80-20 rule, right? that 20% of activities that will produce 80% of results. And for you to be able to figure out that and to focus on that, yes, it, it, it is great. But now, like, uh, I just feel like, I don't want to say like, like, yes, like people who think they should enter, they should. Because I feel like at this point, Amazon became one of those fads, right? That many people have a misconception of it that like it's one of those like almost I feel like marketing maybe back in the day where you just kind of hop in right and just make quick back. It's almost became some people think Amazon is almost like a lottery right like you know like money overnight right become rich and I understand just because of all the YouTube content right because all mm -hmm. of the like, courses being sold right and the way they're being sold because of all the ads right like all of that stuff. But I think if you are approaching this with that then you probably should not. Because maybe that was true, maybe, you know, like it was much easier for sure. Like Amazon's getting tougher, that's 100%. Is it still doable? Yes, but it's getting getting tougher. So that's what I mean. Like right now it's getting more and more and more less like common for you to like, you know what I mean? To make this all crazy money, uh, money overnight. It's not. So if you're like just trying to make a quick back, right? You're trying to like, take advantage of like an opportunity and you're just in that mindset of a very short term and in a transactional mindset, it's still doable, but I think you'll just have much more tougher time versus if you are, versus on the other side, I think if you're somebody who is just interested in overall, like hmm, kind of, you know, like getting more in, like a business experience, right? And you approach it, you consider this as a business. When you understand you're gonna come in, you're gonna start building assets when you will have to, you know, like it will take time and you'll have to learn things where you have to, you know, polish your skills, right? How to do like all of the things, right? Like from ranking, right? From the branding, from design, recruiting the team, right? From, you know, running ads, like all those little pieces and you are understand, that's what I mean. Like if you understand what it takes mm. and you come in and it's a business, you're going to be getting experience and then you're going to be putting the money and there is a much higher chance you're going to lose most of it then you're going to make anything and you're okay with that because you're long-term and your long-term, you are interested in business, you know? Yes. Making money, everything absolutely is great. That's what business is for. But you know, if it's only that, 
that might be not enough for you to last because that's what kind of squeezes people usually out. But if you're there to learn because you love business, you love building things, you love, by the end of the day, actually developing good products or service that will, you know, be beneficial to people. And you love seeing people, you know, using your stuff and just bringing that value, creating that value through your brand. Mm -hmm. You see, if you're too much more into that stuff, you, you're kind of, you see, you think bigger and then it, Again, you know what you want to do long term in three, five, ten years. You want to be building companies that are great and just you know bring value. Absolutely, I think you should get into it regardless. Because I always tell people who reach out to me, they ask me about the same question. That's why you see, yeah, I my my answer is long. I don't want to give the short answer. Yes, you should. Or yes, you shouldn't. Right? Yeah. Because there's so much more to it, man. And I that's why that. I always say, yeah, dude. If this is something, if business is something that interests you, if you want to be a business person later on who is building good stuff and you know create jobs, right, and recruit people and just building a team and you love this, that what gets you going, you should get into it absolutely because you gotta start somewhere, right? Mm -hmm. And that's an awesome experience, no matter how it's gonna go, dude. You're gonna acquire this amazing experience. And even if you lose anything, dude, it's okay. If that's what you truly mean and that's what you truly want, you can get back not to Amazon but to something else. But again, you know, as I told you how I wasted, thank you, my brother, right back in the day, it never goes wasted. It's still the experience that I got in that, right? Me being a third year, you know, the lesson I learned, I learned through that journey, right? Came useful. And maybe I attributed even the reason that maybe, you know, my, another brand went successful is maybe because, you know, I had that failure. Mm. So that's why, yes, absolutely. Just decide if, you know, if that's what you really want. And from what I said, if that's kind of sounds like that, it for sure, man. Go for it. It's great. I love it. And and nowadays too, I guess that the last, very very last question for you, um, which is the million dollar question, is is how do you get started, right? Because nowadays, again, with with an overabundance of uh, YouTube videos, courses out there, um, how does one really really get to get a good grasp of Amazon as a platform? and how it functions to be able to succeed. Okay. Uh, so, um, yeah, this one is, you're right. It's one of the most common questions probably I get as well. And <laughs> right, I think what, what usually happens is because you're right, there's such abundance now of the information of the free content and courses. That's what basically paralyzes people, right? Because that's what naturally pushes people into, oh, I need to learn more before I'm in good shape to get started. And I think that's where the trap is. Because if I would start over again, and what my advice would be is, of course, always, right? I would say, just fucking do it, right? Just get started. But that's vague, right? And that's like what it means. So when I say that, just get fucking started, I mean by that, I imply that, yes, you've done your homework, you've done your research, right? Whether it's through the free content or it's through the some courses that you bought, it's either way, it doesn't really matter. Both work. It just depends on your personal style. But what I mean by that is get your basic, of course, understanding and make sure you've done your homework. But then be self-aware where that turns into thinking of, oh, is there something else? Is there another hack I need to learn? Is there another secret? There's none. Like I can tell you right away, there is none. And another thing I want you to understand as you go through information, guys, like you will see that more or less the same shit because it's true. Especially on Amazon, it's one freaking platform. It works more or less the same way. And all the courses, you can buy three or four different courses. They will be taught like... I mean, the fundamentals of it are the same. They of course have its color, right? And like colors to it, but it's the same shit. That's what I meant, mentioned earlier. Figure out that 20% that is that makes a difference, right? 20% of actions that will produce 80% of results. Understanding, right? 
how it's done, how this platform works. And that meant like, as you go through the free content or the courses, you will start picking up on the patterns. Like be able, I think one of the big series, like I would say like attribution to success is being able to see the patterns see the patterns and, and commonalities, right? Of what everybody's talking about. And then from there, you're able to dissect the truth. Like that what matters the most. Cause dude, most of the shit is just like, you know how it's in the book. The reason it's two or 300 page because they have to make it that way, right? There's so many fillers. So it's sellable, it's a product. Whereas literally out there is like 20 pages that is worthwhile. You know what I mean? Or maybe even one mm-hmm. lesson. It's the same shit for courses, right? Dude, most of the shit is just a fillers, it's a noise. So that it, has, it needs to be seven, eight, 10 modules. So people, when they buy it, they feel, oh, I get the value for it. But <laughs> out of the shit, maybe there's only like a few videos that truly makes a difference. No, and I think it's truly important to remember. And I think that's what kind of, you know, called being smart, right? And to be able to filter and dissect the information you're being presented. And so pick up on that. And then, man, just like, then get started. I can tell you right away, stop looking for a secret, stop looking for a, some like piece of information that somebody else know, like, and there's something that you can do and it will tweak and it will change everything overnight. There is none. Like that fundamental that they'll teach you, right? Pick the product, how you do market research, right? Identify the competition, right? Reviews, ratings, BSR, all that crap, how you came up with the branding, make a nice logo, create a great product, nice packaging, make sure, you know, your, your, your product quality is good, test it, right? Then get on Amazon, create a good uh, image, listing images, copy, your A plus content, and then how you rank. Just right now, I told you like four or five steps that really it takes. There are some, of course, like details to it, but they're more or less the same. So just find out that, identify the main core activities and just make sure you understand what you're doing, but then just do it, just like do it. Because man, dude, I don't know, like most of the half people who reach out to me, literally, again, I'm not bashing anybody or anything, but they agree to this themselves that they are overthinking. They cannot get started because they keep learning more. They keep taking more courses and then they feel like they need something else. They feel like they don't understand, like they don't know something. And dude, you're not going to get started like that. Like it's that truly like paralysis by analysis type thing. And I think it's by far more, most common right now in Amazon space because of the abundance of the information. And you know, everybody's posting their shit. But again, just yeah, being able to like, just, you know, like filter out the noise, get the core, right? The meat mm. and, and then just do it. Like just fucking do it. That'll be my advice. Thank you so much for your time, Timur. Really appreciate having you on the podcast today and kind of sharing your journey with us of, you know, how you, how you got started, not only in business, but in life and coming to Canada. Um, and man, I'm really excited, uh, to see your journey ahead. I know you have, um, a lot of ambitions and and projects, you know, for the next couple of years and and kind of what trajectory you want to take your life. So I'm super excited to see that. Um, how can people learn more about you, find out more about you, reach out to you, or just follow your journey? Where can people find you? Right. Uh, I think probably on Instagram would be the best. Sure. So at uh, oh, your yeah, handles? It's, uh, yeah, it's at uh, Timur Dovich. It's T-I-M-U-R-D-O-V-I-C-H. Timur Dovich. Perfect. And I'll link it down below as well. Um, so thanks again, Timur. Right. Have yeah, a great day. Yeah, you too, man. Thanks, buddy. Thank you for listening to the On The Rise podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. The music composition and vocals is done by Graham Best. Your host, of course, is the property shark, Mr. John Lee. Have a wonderful day, and we will, of course, see you next time on our way to the top. Cheers.